All right, everybody. Uh, so just to fill you in, um, the videos didn't work, obviously. Uh, where I'm at right now and currently working, I have extremely low bandwidth with my Wi-Fi puck. And for whatever reason, um, my videos would time out before they could upload it to the Populi platform. And then similar situation with YouTube. Uh, I tried it multiple times over multiple nights, trying to let it download um, over the period of darkness didn't work. So, uh, essentially we have the fix of going audio. Now audio can be advantageous because now you can follow along with your Bible. You can have it out. You can look at it. Um, and you're not looking at me on a screen or you don't see me screencasting. Um, but this is a good opportunity to get personal. You can also listen to it in your car. Um, so maybe this is more advantageous. I don't know. Uh, but it is week four, and I'm going to be discussing this week and week five. I'm going to combine both videos since you didn't get a, la a video last week. Uh, and I'll just go ahead, and before we get started, I'll hit a couple admin things. So first, overview on the journals. The journals have been going really well up to this point, guys. Really proud of you. Um, from week one to now week five, essentially, you guys have come a long ways. Uh, the writing has gotten significantly better. The content is better. A couple people here and there are still struggling with some of the um, the usage of first-person narrative, uh, using um, <clears throat> situations where you're writing with contractions, you're not defining uh, some of your terms, uh, and just using theological uh, statements, but with no supporting academic source or biblical resource. So just make sure that you're following those things up. Um, also, you guys should have seen week five posting about the paper. Paper's coming up, eight to ten pages, guys. Uh, that's a big paper. I want you guys to be working on it now. Don't let that thing sneak up on you because if it does, you're not going to do well. I held a Zoom meeting on Wednesday with a lot of students. I was actually happy. Uh, we had several uh, of you guys turn up. That was great. A lot of really good questions. So keep those coming. Uh, I had some students said they couldn't make that time. So this next week, we're going to have a second Zoom meeting. Follow on. Uh, please, if you got questions, try to attend. It will be very advantageous for you, especially as you start working on your paper and writing. Uh, maybe there's some burning questions that you've got about Romans, or maybe you got some questions about how uh, you're supposed to structure your paper. All those things are important. Um, some of you may be confident just working off the rubric, and that's okay. Uh, but I still... Um, I still encourage you to, to jump on and just uh, at least listen. Also, if you are a student that's struggling with writing, please do not struggle in silence. Come to me, come to uh, Gary and let us know. And then also use your resources that you're available. You're paying tuition at a university, use the Writing Center. The Writing Center is an excellent opportunity for you to go to them. You can get office hours. If you're working distance learning, uh, which I know many are, um, just shoot them an email and they can work with you remotely. So either of those are great options. All right. So as I said, I'm not going to keep you all day on uh, an audio listen. 
Um, but I do want to give you guys the meat and the potatoes of week four and week five, which is essentially Romans seven all the way through nine. And these are really fun books um, or fun chapters to work off of in the book of Romans. Um, I really like this whole uh, part of Romans because it's just, it's so deep uh, theologically, but it also makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of simplicity that's added in there. So let's just go ahead and get started. I've opened my Bible to Romans uh, chapter 7, and I'm looking at, sorry, where, where was I? We're in Romans chapter 5. My bad, looking at the wrong notes. So we're going Romans chapter 5 through chapter 9, and looking at it, just the very first thing that strikes to me is that very first sentence um, as he opens up chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace through God, our Lord Jesus Christ. What a huge statement. And in fact, I heard a lot of you use this, uh, this verse specifically in your, uh, your journal entries. And I asked several of you, hey, okay, uh, since we are justified by faith, talk to me about the word justified or justification, right? You guys threw that out around a lot. What does that mean? And I didn't feel like I, I mean, some of you answered immediately and got back to me, but there were some people that kind of gave me some roundabout answers. So justification is essentially, in simpler terms, salvation, right? Therefore, since we are saved by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that word justified means that we have salvation, and you can split hairs and you can go a lot deeper, but it's talking about how we have been saved because of our faith, and now that we're we're saved, we have benefits, right? And we have peace, peace on earth as well as eternal. I mean, that's that's powerful, and you know. We're going to have a lot of hard times. Everybody has difficulties in their life, and that's what basically Paul's saying as he goes forward in verses 3 all the way, basically all the way through verse 11. He talks about the benefits of salvation, and it's referenced in other places, right? James 1-2 talks about it. When you get to uh, Romans chapter 8, it talks about the sufferings of this world, uh, each of those things extremely important, right? Um, but for us specifically, right? Like we we have the benefit of going through these hardships as believers, and the benefits of knowing that God's in control and that we have peace and that our lives have been saved, and ultimately we've been reconciled, right? That's what he's talking about. In the second half of those verses, reconciliation. And reconciliation just for us means that we're forgiven, right? We have a change of status with God. God has reconciled our sin through Jesus' blood and that we are saved. And Paul expands on this thought going through uh, chapter 5, verses 12, all the way uh, through 21. He's talking about how, you know, we are now given a change of status. We were birthed um, of human and flesh, right? Of Adam, 
but by faith we are of Christ. And I think this hints to like a duality of such, right? Like there's this earthly kingdom and then there's this spiritual kingdom that we're a part of. And he keeps going down this uh, down this uh, tunnel in chapter 6 when he talks about how then should we be acting? We should be dying to our sin, that our status, the change that's happened inside of us, opens us up to a greater power, right? It talks about it in Romans uh, 6, 12. It says, therefore, do not let your sin exercise dominion over you, but to make your, uh, let me say that. Therefore, do not let your sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but to present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and to present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Wow. We are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Sin has no power over us. And in fact, he goes on to talk about how we're actually, because of our status, we're slaves to righteousness. We have a whole different, a whole different um, criteria that we, ha- that we belong to, uh, that we have to act towards. Stoat talks about this when he's talking about King Edward, right? He's talking about how he, when he advocated his throne, like, he talks about how there was such a, a standard that his father had given him. My dad actually said that, he used to say that all the time. He would give this um, essential parting shot when I would go out at night as a teenager. He said, hey, Drew, don't forget who your father is. And he wasn't talking specifically about himself. Who he was talking about was God. Like, hey, remember that you're a child of Christ. That you have a certain way that you're supposed to act. Um, Bring it even more modern, right? Prince Harry. Uh, Prince Harry had to act a certain way when he was part of the royal family. Now he has essentially left his title and his claims so that he can act a different way. And again, that's just showing the duality of the situation of when you're a part of royalty, when you're a part of a kingdom, Right? There's a set standard of what you're supposed to uphold because you are no longer like the people that you came from. You're different. You're set apart. And that's how the believers are of the faith. Um, I heard a guy named David Nasser give a great analogy one time during a message. He was talking about how um, Christians shouldn't have to deal with behavior modification. Essentially that instead of behavior modification – that this should just come natural in our change of status. And the way he explained it is that he had a daughter that loved cats. And he was holding this baby kitten one day. His daughter was asking for it. She wanted it. And the cat looked up at him and he meowed. He was like, whoa. And it just kind of hit him. I didn't have to teach that cat to meow. I didn't have to talk to it and say, okay, now don't bark. You're a cat. The cat just meowed because it was a kitten. It was born that way. Christians should act a certain way because now we've been born into a royal status, right? 
Now, <clears throat> here's the deal. Stone does a good job of letting us know this, and so does Paul when he talks about that we're still going to battle sin, right? And that law and sins and all these things, they're still going to be important. They're still going to be in our life. Um, and even Paul claims that he's uh, a wretched man, right? He's saying that even for him, it's personal, and it's still ongoing. Like if you look at it in the Greek tenses, it talks about how it's current. Like Paul hasn't gotten past it. And he's still in it. He's still struggling with some of these things. And just look at it in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It talks about how there's power over sin that we're not sinless anymore. I like to throw out some other references because, yes, we are studying the book of Romans. But so much of Paul's New Testament work crosses over with things that he's written to other churches and other communities as well as some of the other writers of the New Testament and what they've discussed. So it's just so important that we understand these things about how salvation is intertwined in the chapters 5 through 7, how reconciliation is intertwined, how this duality of kingdoms is brought about, and these two realms that we both live in and are a part of, earthly and heavenly, and how our change of status basically challenges us to operate as slaves of righteousness and that we are no longer held to the sins uh, that, that law has, uh, has shown us and highlighted for us. Um, <clears throat> now, week five, you get into Romans chapter eight, right? Stote says, we are rescued by God's spirit. Now, I, I love Romans chapter 8. In fact, about two months ago before this class started and I was reading through Romans, I was stuck in Romans chapter 8, by, just by chance, but for a month, like every single day, I was reading Romans chapter 8 over and over and over and over and over again because it has such clear points and it has such good reassurance on the things that I feel like I struggle with and that are personal for me. And the first thing is my security in Christ, right? Like so often I'm just like, man, I am not a good enough person that I really struggle with this mediocrity um, thing, uh, this mediocrity complex, let's call it, right? Um, and I talked about this in my community group last week um, where I'm not a biker gang guy, um, I'm not this person that has this really roguish story and then all of a sudden got saved and changed my life around. And now I'm, I'm walking the line and I went from a terrible human being to a great human being. And I feel like on the other side of things, I'm not mother Teresa. Like I don't do everything right. Um, and so I struggle with sometimes being that, that lukewarm person where like I'm at church I'm reading, I'm studying, but there's days where like man, I'm I'm on fire and I'm yearning and I'm loving what I'm what I'm doing and I'm loving picking up the word and then there's other days where I'm like, "Eh, I I just don't know. I'd rather watch YouTube today." And for those days, I feel like I just I feel very insecure. The enemy attacks me so much in, in those spaces. And so when I read Romans chapter 8, it allows me not to get so down on myself. 
especially when it opens up. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Like, thank goodness that God um, has just reaffirmed the fact that it's not about what I do. I am his son regardless. And it's so important for me as a believer, especially when he keeps going through this. And he talks about how we're going to struggle and how we're led by the Spirit as children, right? And he talks about in verse 18, the, the scripture that's quoted to probably every person that's gone through anything difficult, whether it's cancer, losing a child, uh, some type of COVID situation, um, friends that have died, whatever. You you hear this, right? This Romans 8.18, For I consider the current sufferings of this present time not comparable to the glory about to be revealed to us. Like, the fact that God is always our advocate. He's always on our side, right? That's that's just something that you can hold on to, that you can cling on to. One of those promises of God that you just, you have to just say over and over and over again, even in the darkest of moments, in the darkest of seasons. And Stoke talks about that in the reading. He says, man, we are helpless without God. He asks a lot of really great questions in those sections. Um, he talks about, like, when are times where you've seen God's kindness elevated in your life? Like, for me, I mean, too many times to count. Uh, there was a time that I broke my elbow in military training, and I thought, well, my career's over. Uh, they were talking about having to put a prosthetic in my arm. I mean, it wasn't just a normal break. It was, like, bones out like very, very bad, never going to be able to carry more than 10 pounds for the rest of my life. Dark, dark place. Um, I end up going to a small group because of this break. And then ultimately, I met my wife out of that small group. A lot longer story for a time when we have more time to talk. But a situation like that, man, just God being able to show his kindness, even through the darkest of times, that there'll be greatness revealed and there's been seasons of my life where I've responded differently. There's been seasons of my life where I've responded poorly, which is great again about Romans chapter 8 because it talks about how we are affirmed, right? Um, and Stowe asked that. He says, how have you responded in different stages of your life? Good and bad. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, open Komodo, transparent, like, I've had good and bad situations where I've come and I've said, man, I really responded to that well. There's other times where I've yelled, kicked the dog, screamed, and then been like, man, why did I act that way? Like, who was that? Right? And it talks about it in that the, the second half of Romans chapter 8. It talks about being spirit-minded versus being minded in the flesh. And, oh, like, as you read that, you're like, golly. I can see so many times where I've been minded in the spirit. I've been commun- I've been in community with great people. Like I've I've been filled. I've been reading this word, and I get in a situation in a season that is difficult, and I respond with purpose. I respond well. And then there's other times where I am surrounded by negative people. I've not been in the word. I've not been doing things to fill up the tank. 
it, it, again, it's not about what I do. I'm still a, a child of God. But like the way I respond is of a flesh mind, right? A mind of flesh. And so we've got to lose that. And I, I think that, I mean, that's where Stowe's title of his whole chapter basically came from, like present pain, future glory, right? Like we are going through pain, but the glory to be revealed to us is God's plan. And God is working on each of us. He's working on us to be minded in the spirit so that we can respond with things for future glory, right? We can influence the people around us. We can be people of change. We can be the people of light, not darkness. So big. And then finally, just going through Romans chapter 9, understanding God's purpose. Guys, this this one is a is a difficult chapter. It's unique that like you read Romans chapter eight, you get all fired up, and then you like fall into Romans chapter nine. And you're like, eh, okay, let's just kind of breeze through this one, right? It's there's it's hard to pull out of a lot of stuff. He talks about the law and how the law doesn't save, how he's heartbroken for his people and the rejection of Christ, and then he like asks some deep theological questions about God being fair, and then who are we to question God? And it's it's very interesting um, because I know that we've all probably asked these questions about God's wrath and mercy, and if God is so loving, then how can he have so much wrath? And honestly, Stoke brings up a great point in the fact that in his writings, he says that we have a human responsibility that's intertwined with divine sovereignty, right? Like when he's talking about Jacob and Esau, in chapter 9, he's talking about two men that had a responsibility to their actions. And the fact is that God had intertwined that sovereignty, his kingdom of what was going to happen, but the people had their free will to act on the things that they did, even if God did know what was going to happen. And these are deep theological questions. These are things that um, if you take Theology 101, uh, which I'll teach here in three weeks, I encourage you to. Uh, we'll go deeper into that um, about essentially predestination, open theism, some of these different things. But what I can tell you about this, just getting after it real quick, is that God is always about mercy. He's always setting the table for an act of mercy. He is doing things to counteract this world. We've brought sin here. We're responsible. Our actions mean death. And God is throwing out life preservers left and right for us. Um, one of the analogies, I don't know if this is a really good one or not. May may not be. But one of the things I always think about is t- people talk about how terrible 9-11 was. I mean, we just came out of the 20th anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's still fresh on everybody's minds. And it's like, man, what a what a horrific day in history. Probably one of the worst in our country's history. May be the worst. Um, and we're like, where was God in that moment? Like, where was God? But if you go to the 9-11 Museum, what's powerful to know is all the people that were supposed to be in the building that day that weren't all the people that missed their cab or spilt something on their shirt that had a situation come up where they stopped to get their their friends coffee and donuts and then ultimately uh, were not a part of that tragedy 
Um, and I think that those things are important because it does show God still in control. God's working things on a macro and micro level. And I think that's where Paul's getting at. It's like God is using the pieces of his plan for mercy and for wrath, but ultimately to bring about his goodness. Right? Like God is always good. That's what we know about God. We know about his character. And we can talk on and on and on and on and on. We are going to do that in eternity, talk on and on and on and on and on about God's character. But I told you guys that I would get you out of here in 25, 30 minutes. It is 24 minutes, 34 seconds. I'm going to close in prayer. But I just want to let you guys know, so encouraged by this class. Uh, This class is helpful for me. It's good for me. It gives me an outlet. Um, It allows me to read your post, to be encouraged. Um, I think that you guys are encouraging each other on the peer reviews, which are great. Uh, Keep doing that. And if you guys ever get a chance, um, and you ever want to meet up for coffee, let me know. I'll be in Fedville um, here in another two weeks. Love to to meet up with you guys and just discuss these these very important points. All right. Father God, thank you so much for this class. Thank you for the people that attended. God, I pray that we're getting something out of it, that we're growing together to be influencers for your kingdom. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, everybody, have a great week five and move into week six. And I appreciate everything that you do. Thanks.